the truth about other religions. Not a small topic. Have you ever been told something and wondered whether it really is the truth? As a teacher, I sometimes have to deal with children who come to me to tell me something that's uh, happened between themselves and somebody else in the playground. One recent example is uh, a boy who came over to me and he said uh, another child had kicked him. Might sound familiar to some of you parents. Now, I could have taken the first explanation as being the absolute truth and gone straight over to the boy he was accusing of kicking him to dole out a suitable punishment for his unkind behavior. But this would not have been very thorough of me. How would I really know if that first boy who'd come to me in that playground had been telling the truth? So, instead, I spent some time investigating the situation, and in doing so, came to a conclusion based on a much wider variety of evidence. How do you know if something you are being told is the truth? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Last week, Steph explored with us the truth that there is only one way to God. This week, we're going to investigate this a little deeper. Because if there is only one way to God, and that's what we as Christians believe, then what about all the other religions? Big question. So whether you're here today exploring what Christian faith is all about, or you've been dragged along by somebody else, whether you're here already as a Christian and you've come because you love God and you wish to worship him together with us this morning. Whatever your reason for stepping through this door, I would like you to journey with us together, or journey with me together to unpack this topic using a range of evidence along the way. Now, there's a rumor vigorously denied by Heinz that ketchup comes from the same factory, in fact, all ketchup, no matter where you might buy it from. No matter what label is on the bottle, we all eat the same stuff. Is that how it is with religion? The label might read Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, Hinduism, or whatever. Is the substance inside any different? Do we worship the same God? And do all religions have the same nutritional content? Now, I don't know about you and your experience with ketchup, but the more you know about ketchup, the more convinced I believe you will be that the one type of ketchup theory is not accurate. They are not the same. I believe the same 
applies to religion. Take the idea of God, for example. The major world religions all believe different things. A Hindu will tell you that there are countless gods, all who exist um, and work to their own set of rules. Buddhists don't speak about God at all, or even whether he exists. A Muslim will explain that there is one God, but he is unknowable. As Christians, we believe that there is one God, but that he can be known intimately and personally. So, is it really possible for God to be an impersonal and unknowable force in one religion and to be an intimate and knowable creator in another How can God be the Lord of the whole universe for one faith and for another be one of a thousand deities to be worshipped? Let's look at this in another way. How do major religions believe you go about following their religion and staying in God's good books? Well... A Muslim will tell you that it is by observing a regular system of prayer, fasting, and by giving to the poor. A Hindu will tell you that it's a matter of appeasing the many gods by worshipping at a shrine or an idol, and by practicing personal discipline. A Buddhist believes that there is no god to be keeping in with, but that by looking inward and doing good, you'll get a better deal next time round. As Christians, we believe that it is not by our own efforts that we can earn our way to God's presence, but by personally trusting in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. More about this later. So... These religions are not even expressing complementary views that go together to form a complete picture. They are totally different. Totally different. So what about people that say God is like a city? All roads lead to him. Sounds attractive, doesn't it? Very inclusive and non-confrontational. If God were a city, perhaps we could travel down Muslim Avenue or Hindu Street or perhaps meander around several streets before arriving at our final destination. But God is not a city. He is not a destination to be reached. God is a being, a person. And as a person, just like you and me, he is reached only through relationship and on his terms. So, how do we have 
a relationship with God. Jesus put it simply, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As Steph explored last week, Jesus is the only way home. So, what lies at the heart of this hard-hitting, confrontational statement? Well, at great cost to himself, God restored the way for us to have a relationship with him through the sacrifice of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Christianity is unique. All other religions require their followers to do something to work their way into God's good books. These requirements vary, but the message is the same. Do enough and get it right, and you'll be okay. Maybe. While this is the treadmill that the other religions put people on, God offers us something completely different. In a letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul an enthusiastic advocate of the early church explains that the significance of what has explains the significance of what God has done through Jesus when he writes this for it is by grace you have been for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from ourselves it is the gift of God not by works, so that no one else can boast. Another translation of the Bible puts it more simply. For it is by God's grace that you have been saved, for, um, been saved through faith. It is not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift, so that no one can boast about it. What is this grace? I once heard it explained like this. God's riches at Christ's expense. Christ being Jesus. At its heart, grace is the undeserved favor of God. Undeserved favor. Of God. It is a concept that was at the heart of the writer Paul's own experience and central to what he was writing about in his letter. Paul knew that he had become a Christian on the road to Damascus when his life, when he had a life-changing encounter with God. Life-changing encounter. Not because he earned it. In fact, quite the opposite. Paul used to persecute the early Christian church. In fact, he was one of the enemies 
of the early Christian church. But he encountered God in an amazing way. And he was able to do this because of God's unmerited favor. Okay. It wasn't through something that he had done. It was through God's grace. You can read more about this, this experience that he um, went through in Acts chapter 9. Grace is the key to how we are able to have a personal relationship with God. In this passage from Ephesians, grace or unmerited favor is clearly used to contrast as a contrast to works, okay? To highlight that we can do nothing to deserve or earn God's favor. And to emphasize this point even further, Paul adds, this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Or to use the words from the simpler version, it is not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift. It's not about what we can do to get into God's good books. There's no way that we could restore our own relationship with God by ourselves. Our debt is too great. We are too far away. But God, as we mentioned earlier, loves us so much that he did something about this. He sacrificed his son in order to restore our relationship with him. And to give us eternal life with him in heaven. This act of grace, of generous, undeserved, amazing gift, this gift, this is what marks Christianity out from all the other religions. It's not about what we can do to get. To God. So, what about the faith that's mentioned in this passage? Here, Paul is explaining that faith is not so much about us doing something, as that would undermine the grace. Rather, that faith is about us receiving what God has given to us in Jesus. Faith is about us trusting in God for what he has done for us through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. God has restored the way to him by grace through faith. But it is one thing to know that this gift is available, quite another to accept the gift of grace, this gift, and to begin to unwrap it. Let me illustrate this with a short example. It's from a book called The Book of Why, um, which is a book full of Christian questions or tricky questions about the Christian faith and the Christian life. 
Okay. I get a letter from the bank telling me I'm broke. Very, very, very broke. You don't need to know the gory details, but I'm in way over my head. I can't pay. There's no way I'll ever be able to. And to make things worse, the letter informs me that there will be a daily charge until I get out of debt. You've got the picture. The thing is, I've got this benevolent Aunt Mabel, and she's loaded. A bottomless money pit. I don't know where she got it all from, but boy, has she got it. And I need it. Or at least some of it. And a note in her last Christmas card did mention that if ever I needed help, I was to let her know. So I write asking for help, owning up to being unable to meet my debts. I throw myself on her mercy. And that is exactly what I receive. Aunt Mabel helps me by arranging for a money transfer from her account to mine via a cheque in my hand. When I see it, there's another shock. Because not only will the payment clear my account in full, but also provide me with enough to guarantee me Everlasting credit. But it's not enough to recognize my need and ask for help. I have to take her at her word and present the check for payment in the bank. It's only then that I receive what she has offered me. Have you cashed the cheque? Have you accepted Jesus' amazing sacrifice? If not, is today that day? Are you ready to accept all that God has done for you and to follow him as the way? If you are, ask him to be part of your life. And please don't leave here this morning without telling someone that you have made this decision today. Now, if you're sitting here this morning thinking, okay, okay, I know all this stuff, and I've already received God's amazing gift of grace, then my questions to you are slightly different. What difference has accepting God's gift of grace made to, you, to how you 
are living your life right now. What difference has accepting God's grace made to how you are living your life right now? How is your relationship with God going? Relationships need to be worked at. How are you developing yours? We're going to spend a few moments in quiet um, before the band come up and lead us in some songs. And I'd like you to use this time to reflect on where you are in your personal journey of faith. Maybe you're at the start of that journey and just exploring what, that, what, what faith is all about. Maybe you're at that crossroads where you need to make a decision as to which way to go. Or maybe you've chosen the path of Jesus but you're faltering along that journey. Let's spend some time in quiet.